crunch time. One down and 26 to go. Well, we hope the results don't all match those on the weekend. If the games match the excitement and energy we saw at Suncorp Stadium on a wet, wild and eventually sunny Sunday evening, we're in for a fun season. Welcome to the Brisbane Football Review here for the Daily Football Show Fan Network. It's James Scott and Adam with you. Guys, uh, if you're done arguing about your Premier League fortunes, why don't we talk about the Raw? I don't want to talk about the Premier League, but you <laughs> mentioned the weather. I mean... Melbourne steal all our players. We've stolen their weather four seasons in one day, wasn't it? Yeah, we really have. Yeah, we'll we'll take the weather from them. It's fine. Very, very interesting Sunday weather-wise, that. Yeah, it was a nightmare getting to the stadium, but then... uh, You notice I'm just completely ignoring your Premier League discussion, right? Well, is that because my side's for once ahead of yours? Yeah, it is. Adam's as well. (laughs) Yes, it is. front of mine, so... This is, of course, the Brisbane Football Review, so I think, what, minute and a half in, we probably should try and keep the Premier League chat down till maybe segment three or so. Okay. All right, so as I said, we're here for the DFS Fan Network. Uh, you can get in contact with us, Facebook, Raw Review, Twitter, at BNE Football, email brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com, and uh, a podcast is available. You'll obviously listen to it on one of these platforms, but it's also available on Wooshka, iTunes, Radio Public, TuneIn, and Stitcher, I believe. Yep. Yep, okay. That's what you write, wrote down a while ago, so... That's what I'm sticking with. If that's with wrong, then. it's on you. Oh, well, everything's on me. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so let's get into segment one. We're going to talk about the A-League from the weekend and start off, obviously, with the 1-1 draw between Brisbane and the Mariners. And result, disappointing, but what a game, Adam. Yeah, look, it was, um, it was an entertaining, entertaining contest. Um, obviously, you know... Early season, you normally expect sort of, you know, Dow was sort of, you know, and play the game, but no, even from minute one, they really sort of went for it. And um, look, you'd be pretty happy, result aside, you'd be pretty happy with the um, afternoon's entertainment. Certainly. Yeah, to Adam's point, usually round one's a little bit of like getting up to speed, getting combinations together, but the Raw seemed like they had a lot of it together in round one. They were quite polished. They looked ahead of everybody else in terms of their combinations. It just didn't happen for them in the final third, unfortunately, on Sunday, but they play like that. It'll click soon. It didn't start off all that well, though, let's be honest. No. Connor Payne got the Mariners on the score sheet in, what was it, the fourth minute? The fourth with minute. A, what was, to his credit, a well-played shot. It was, and it was smart play from the Mariners as well, because Connor Payne cheated, essentially, by not tracking the run of Connor O'Toole, and that left him free on the halfway line. And when they when they picked the ball up, when they turned over, it was a great ball from Tom Hiare to find him, and it was a good finish underneath Jamie Young. Probably the surface with the... um. Slippery surface from the rain probably didn't help him, but it was a good finish. One thing I was actually curious about in the pregame was, would they turn the sprinklers on? And no, they didn't. <laughs> oh, look, I well, if they turn, certainly turned the sprinklers on, but it wasn't... Uh, <laughs> it wasn't you know, of that wasn't invention. the sprinklers, that was more than that. <laughs> yeah. Look, um, I think, you know, the Mariners, I think they've, they've, they showed that you know, perhaps that, you know, I think they've got plenty of goals in them. I think that, that counter-attacking sort of style play that, you know, that, that puts... You know, kind of pain through. I think that may be um, something that we might need to get used to. But um, but yeah, look, uh, sort of 
it's one of those ones where they got caught in the counter, and I just don't think the Raw sort of raw rate to it. I feel like it was, you know, a tick in the positive box for Mike Mulvey. They came up with a really good uh, attacking, well, counter-attacking plan where they were trying to take advantage of the Raw defenders pushing really high up, and we saw that paying dividends right from the start where basically the Raw defence was just too high and the Mariners wound up with an overlap. It was very much like Germany in the World Cup where defensively... Positionally, the wasn't right. Something was wrong. Whether it was the defenders weren't quite in the right positions, or one of the midfielders didn't cover the space when O'Toole went forward, there was a breakdown there somewhere. And we won't know which way it is because obviously there's structures involved, and I don't think John Lewis is going to tell us that level of detail, so we'll never know. But somewhere something broke down there. Yeah. To allow Connor Connor Payne to have that space. Well, I suppose the question, like in the build-up to the game, we heard Aloisi talking about how. You know, he wanted the Raw to attack and really go for the jugular early. And I'm wondering if that was just a little bit of a byproduct of that, where they said, let's just go, let's go, let's go. And they got caught out. Oh, look, I actually think, yeah, I think um, there there was a certain intent, you know, I think, you know, the Raw were going to play their their wing backs sort of, you know, very, very high up the park. And I think, yeah, I I think you just got um, Mike Mulvey sort of outthought them a little bit and uh, sort of beat them at their own game almost. So, and for it to pay dividends after four minutes was a sensational start for them. I've seen a few people blaming Conor O'Toole for that goal because obviously it was his man who scored, but he was high and wide supporting the attack. And when he played the ball across to tag it, I think it was, he was staying forward to provide an outlet for a pass if required. So I don't think it's his fault. No. I think it's somewhere else further back down the field. There's a slight uh, breakdown in communication, perhaps. I'm going to say, based on the numbers that the Mariners had forward there, there probably was just a case of too many people mm. pushing too far forward. And we also had to point it was a great counterattack from the Mariners. Yeah. It was superb stuff. And they did look quite dangerous on that on the counterattack all along. They did try to play a lot of those diagonal balls through to Tommy Orr and Connor Payne on the wings. Yeah. Yeah. But... Uh, then the Raw did obviously bounce back through Adam Taggart, who went in 60... No, sorry. 26... No. 34... <laughs> no. 43rd... No, sorry. 53rd... No. 59th... Ye- or not. That was a and, good finish, though, in the 59th. Yeah, yeah, it was. And then finally, broke through in the 63rd. Yes, he did. It was, it was really good to see him get that goal, because you could... To me, he was just over-eager to score. You could see it in him. He was so desperate to get that first goal. I think he can sense that there's a lot of pressure on him to score the goals this year, and I think he's... He was desperate to get the first one and get it off the off the off the track. But when he got that goal, the one in the 59th minute, the offside one, when he got that, you could see his confidence came back because that was a, a superb finish into the bottom corner. And when he got the um one a few minutes later, it was well taken. Yeah, the one so that it was actually, great to see him yeah. actually get that goal. Now I think he'll really kick on with it. The one that actually did count was uh, it looked like it was a shot I think from Mickelson into the box or something. Mork, Mork. It was a shot from Mork and. But Tate did a really good job to control it, turn and fire it into the roof of the net. But I actually couldn't help but notice all throughout the game, there did seem to be like a clear, I suppose, instruction for every attacking player to get the ball into Taggart at every opportunity. Look, to be honest, I think, you know, if you're a betting person, I am, um, you'd, <laughs> you'd, you'd really want to start thinking the odds on Adam Taggart going close, if not winning the golden boot, because it looks like the attacking game plan almost begins and ends with the ball to Adam Taggart. Like, the amount of chances that he got, and look, you can... Whichever way you sort of dissect it as far as, you know, did he blow his chances? Was he snatching at the ball? Was he, you know, not good enough on occasions? Was he too good on other occasions? You know, at the end of the day, it looks like everything is, the the attacking game plan is almost designed around him. 
And I think he's going to, once he actually catches fire, he's going to score a lot of goals, I reckon. Well, if they're giving him 10 chances a game, chances Mm. are, he's going to bury one of them. And look, right now, I'm fine with them saying, yep, tag it to our man, let's get him going confidence-wise, then we'll worry about everything else after that. But what I do hope is that eventually when teams do start to, I'm going to you know, use the Jamie McLaren example where they just have Lachlan Jackson and Mike, Nigel Bugard hug, <laughs> hugging McLaren as I remember back from 15 and 16 or whatever it was. Yep. I think like that's where you want to see the likes of Mork, of Bortiak, of Mickelson starting to contribute. But right now, if they want to say, Taggart's our man, he's going to be the one that gets our goals, fine. And he had a superb game, Adam Taggart. Just, I know he missed a few chances, but he had an excellent game to get in those positions because a couple of those chances he got, I don't want to keep having got macaroni from last season, but he wouldn't have got he wouldn't have got into those areas with, yeah. with all his lack of pace. So I think he did quite. I think Taggart was really good. And you mentioned McLaren. McLaren wasn't a fast starter. He often struggled to get goals in the opening rounds and came good later on. So I, don't, I think people need to just relax. There's even, there's even Taggart another, will come good. He'll there's get even another goal scorer, a number nine for the Raw, that I think was a very slow starter as well as far as his career goes. So one Bessarabisha, like I said, we we, we joked. I joked in the stands about yeah. the um about you did, you know, yes. yeah about that, and that's um and I, and you can see you can see it. Take it after after week one, he's starting to and like some of those chances were tough chances. The the one that he skied over the bar, well, that's you know that I think that drew an oh my goodness call yeah. for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> but um, was it really that family friendly? It was actually. It was actually. There wasn't many. wasn't much. No, it wasn't much swearing. Yeah, going I, had to, on. I had to watch. I had to watch the yards of swearing in there yeah. where we were on, on Sunday. But um, look, he, he they think if he's creating the grain chance already, you gotta think you're a month, six weeks time. You know what? You know what is it going to be the level? Of? And you're right. If if teams start then you know crowding him out, it's it's the onus is on the others, the other attackers around him to actually then take up the initiative. Yep. And, you know, the players that were providing the service to uh, Adam Taggart... Sorry, I almost called him Jamie McLaren there. <laughs> but the players that were providing service to him, you know, Eric Bortiak, Mickelson, Bork, and Alex Lopez, I thought they were all absolutely phenomenal. Like, well, Bortiak movement... created four chances on his own, which, yeah. is more, which is equal to what the Mariners did in 90 minutes. So. Yeah. Bortiak was excellent. The movement, the way the team, like, functioned together, yeah. those combinations, and I feel like they're only going to get stronger oh, yeah. throughout the season... Like, that was probably the most encouraging sign out of the whole afternoon was the fact that they look really, really good. Now, look, week one, we don't know what the Mariners are. For all we know, the Mariners could be the wooden spoon team again. We're going to look at this and go, how exactly did they only draw this game? Or the Mariners could be, you know, that smoky top four run like Newcastle made last year and go, you know, all of a sudden that point we got in round one Mm. actually was pretty good. I think the Mariners are actually quietly competitive in this game. I, I think a lot of people underestimated them. I, I was surprised they went with Matt Simon and Ross McCormack up front because it just seemed like a weird choice. And that was probably something they might want to tweak. So I think they did get overrun in midfield, but to your point, they did actually look highly competitive Central Coast. And they have a clearly defined style of play with the pace in the wide areas that they want to exploit. So, Well, you say that they were overrun in midfield. I would say with Matt Simon, some of the raw players just got run over. <laughs> Yeah, look, I look. I think you know, sort of just reflecting on the Mariners, I think they've got goals in them. I, I think they've, they've got plenty of goals in them. I just think again, defensively, I think there might be a bit of a problem. I think you, you can almost see that they they might be a team that you know will almost be hoping to win every game four three because you know look, uh, Khalifa Cisse was was okay. Golic, I didn't don't think I saw him. You know, he was on the team sheet, but he didn't redo really that. He didn't seem to do that much and. 
So look, it's it's like I said, round one. It's very hard to know where where sort of really everyone is. But you know, I think based on that performance, I think that they'll they'll be all right. I think they defended desperately though. Hmm. You got to give them credit for that. I mean, that last yeah. ditch tackle from Clisby on Enrique in the last five minutes, whatever it was, that, that was, was phenomenal. That was some great desperation defending and encapsulated the way they defended throughout the ninety minutes. So. There is it's another, not the greatest yeah. of back fours, but they did put in a heck of a shift. There is actually another one of the challenges that I want to get to soon, but I want to go back to the raw midfield. Like, uh, I think it was you, Scott, who posted the thing yep. about Alex Lopez being the 141st player to represent the raw in the draw against the yep. Mariners, and we got a few in, uh, comments on, on the Facebook page. Um, you know, Peter Sinclair, quality, he'll be one of the A-League's best this year. Uh, if he is, I'll take that. And, on this evidence. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Diane Farrell, awesome man of the match performance. Uh, Jason Matthew, he did well. Thread the needle passing, very promising. The general, f- and Roy Mignemi, sorry, Roy, um, <laughs> you know, I said class act. There's a lot to be excited about with that. And the one comment that I kind of wanted to use as a segue here was from Michael Clark. I hope Matty enjoys watching from the bench because I very nearly swore on the bus when I saw the team news come out and... The club captain, Matt Mackay, was on the bench. Adam and I had a similar reaction when we saw the team news before the game because we all kind of thought at some point this season Matt Mackay would transition to the bench, but I don't think anyone thought it would be round one. Certainly when we did the preview last week, we didn't think it would be round one. We we all thought Mackay would start and Lopez would come on for a cameo, but after about 20 minutes of this game on Sunday, you could see why they threw him in because he was absolute quality. Yeah, you got, you got to, because yeah, we were sort of thinking that, you know, okay, Lopez, he's, he was a late arrival as such, but, you know, but unlike, you know, his sort of predecessors like Corona and uh, Herbass Herb- and, and Manuel Arana, they, those players seem to do, to do their conditioning sort of here in the climate and then sort of they didn't really come online until November, December. It seems like Alex Lopez is ready to go now. Which is, I think, is a, is a great testament. He obviously did a lot of pre-season work back in Spain before being signed by the Raw, and I think that's that may have sort of almost hastened, um, sort of, I guess, a change of the guard with Matt McKay, even though he's the club captain, now no longer guaranteed a spot in the uh, match day eleven. Yeah, we're all behind Captain Jack as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Captain guest. Jack <laughs> never lost his Captain Jack. Hingot, exactly. So. <laughs> but yeah, hasn't won either though. So well, yeah. oh, he won the Hingit vs Bojack game. So yeah, there we go. But yeah, there's a lot of excitement there. And as we were talking about in the season preview now, is there is just so much flexibility with the way the Raw can deploy that midfield. Like, I honestly wouldn't be surprised that at some point during the season we might even see the maybe Lopez push a little bit higher up into that uh, position that Mork was playing and have Mackay and Christensen as the defensive pairing. Just on Lopez, he had 79% of pass accuracy, which is the highest of any midfielder on the field, except for Michael McGlincher, who had the same, but he had about a quarter of the touches of Lopez. So it's absolute quality, and he had more touches than any other player in the raw midfield. He was absolutely masterful on Saturday, on Sunday. If that's what we can expect from Lopez as a baseline, because he's only going to get better once he gets integrated with the team, the raw have got a heck of a midfielder there. Yep. He could be a real difference maker in the team this season. That's it. And right now what we're seeing with the team is it seems like they've got more than 11 players who could come in and play 90 minutes, which is what you really want in week one, because to steal a line from the NFL, depth in October doesn't necessarily equal depth in April. That's right. Yeah. And and look, and that's a, the probably the most positive thing is, yeah, like I said, it can it can change formations. It can yeah. they can change, you know, personnel as such. 
Um, and look, you can't really see too many glaring wins. I thought one thing we didn't speak too much about, you know, is the combination of um, Pepper and Papadopoulos yep. as well. Like um, Luke Devere being left out of this the match they scored completely. So um, who is reportedly fit, by the way? Yeah, to, yeah, I think it was Marco who yeah. had that story. Yeah, there were whispers throughout preseason that Devere had fallen down the pecking order, but I was still surprised to see Pepper starting. I think, I think a lot of people were surprised, but but he's been yeah. we all he's been bowls. Re- yeah, we all yep. thought bowls. He's been excellent over the last eight to twelve months, Jacob Pepper and. You have to say he deserves his spot at the moment. He's been arguably the Raw's best, most consistent central defender. And, and I think we can yeah. finally say that transition from midfield to defence is complete. Absolutely. Well, actually, I was listening to an interview with John Aloisi on the Fox Football Podcast. He did with Adam Peacock. This was recorded before the season. But you just sense a little bit of smug satisfaction from Aloisi that, you know, he'd, it was a needs-must situation at yeah. the time. But the way Pepper had adapted to playing central defence, he was quite proud of that. Oh look, absolutely, and that's you know that's a, that's a testament to Jacob Pepper because the first season he had was a fairly rough one, and you know I think he'd struggle to find a person that would want to keep him around on contract, and you know he's obviously repaid the faith. I think. I think so, yeah. I think if someone were to go back and look at some of the comments from our post when they announced the re-signing of him and Joe Coletti, that probably yes. says a lot about what certain parts of the fan base sort of thought mm. of him, and he, he's turned out to be not just an. Like, we thought yeah. he was being re-signed as maybe the 20th, 21st player in the squad, just the when you need yeah. him, throw him in. But he's actually turned out to be in that borderline of good starter to excellent backup. Absolutely. He's taken that step forward. Because when he did sign, he was considered that utility backup type. And when he was re-signed 12 months ago, or 18 months ago, it was the same case. But you're right. Now he is a first 15 player, maybe even a regular first 11 player. Yeah. And he's, he's earned that right. He's actually, I think he's really found his calling at the heart of central defence. Well, I kind of feel like the, the biggest compliment for him is the fact that they had to sign somebody to essentially back him up, I would say, in Steph Negro. Yeah. Like, he's, I suppose, now that utility midfielder because Pepper's found another job and is doing quite well at it. I, would, I did find that odd, though, that there were both um, Steph and Negro and Daniel Bowles on the bench at home. I wonder if that's just a case of the younger guys weren't quite ready yeah. to make an impact in John's mind. Well, last question before we take a quick break. Who would you have put on the bench then instead? I don't think D'Agostino's fit, is he? I don't think he's 100% fit, so it would have to be Dylan. Dylan Wenzel Halls. I was thinking Dylan Wenzel Halls. Yeah. If, if you're going for that more attacking-looking bench, um, that's where I would have gone with. Yeah. Give yourself that extra option up front. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back with our new segment. This is a Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And we're back on the Brisbane Football Review. Season 3, episode whatever the hell it is. It's James Scott and Adam with you here for the DFS Fan Network. And we're going to go into our new segment. Now, we're going to rejig it a little bit this season. Last year, we were kind of doing the um, massive menu of news stories. So we're trying to trying to bring it down a little bit and just talk about some of the top stories going around. And... From a raw perspective, I actually want to lead off with the news of young midfielder Ramadek Bari signing with Melbourne Victory. Scott, yes. are you happy with that? I'm delighted to see another raw player go to Melbourne Victory, James. Nothing makes me happier than to see Victory profit from the raw. Audio medium. <laughs> <laughs> just, remem- just remember. I thought the voice was sarcastic <laughs> enough, Adam. Yeah, do you want a sarcasm yeah. machine? <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, not, it's not really what we were hoping to see, is it, Adam? Look no, look no. In I guess from a Raw's fans' point of view, I think for Ramat Habari himself, I think it's a great opportunity. Um, like I said, we as as we know, the Raw uh, 
uh, midfield stocks is very, very um, is very, very deep. And you know, chances are he probably would be you know be playing youth league and MPL you know for next year. But so an opportunity in A league contract. But yeah, I think to the moment victory. Anyone else? But right, Melbourne City. Really Where else are Victory going to look for players, though? Yeah. Seriously. But for Akbari, it's a great opportunity because their midfield, the depth in their squad is not the strongest. Their first 11 and 15 is pretty good, but after that, it drops away. Is it so really, I think... though? I actually, I actually yeah. do have a serious question about this because just looking, so Akbari's what, yeah. the attacking midfield style. So, so he's competing with guys like Josh Hope, their young player down there, for but... a spot in the squad. So I think he can actually... I think he's better than Josh Hope. And they've got Champions League as well, don't forget at the back end of the season, which is going to be extra games, which they'll play other parts of the squad. So I think he'll get more opportunity for appearances this year in Melbourne than he would here. I actually don't know about that, because just going through City squad, so guys that can play that attacking midfield role, you've got Honda, yep. who is probably going to start and play as many games as possible, considering what he's getting played and the fact that he's still really, really good. Mm. You've also got James Troisi. Yeah? Yep. So that's two players that you're picking ahead of him automatically. Terry Antonis, I also can see being that sort of attacking midfield role as well. Possibly he'll play both midfield roles at times, yeah. But well, but also you liken him maybe to Alex Lopez with yep. that versatility of being able to go forward or back. Mm-hmm. And then, as you say, Josh Hope, who could also be in contention. But there's there. also Cal Valeri in there as well. So. He's more defensive yeah. fighter, though. Yeah. I'm just talking oh, about that. I'm talking about the attacking. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Well, look, well, we don't. Look, no, maybe. Yeah, maybe uh, Kevin Musket will convert him. Like I know, we know him as a attacking number ten style. Yeah, but could he play on the wing? Well, yeah, in preseason for the Raw, John Alusi had him playing a little bit deeper in midfield as well. So maybe he's being moved back into a more deeper line, creative, like playing a more deeper midfield role, but still creative. So yeah, but, but, and also just to confirm as well, because there were reports that this, it was you know a potential loan deal, but um, it's a signing. It's yeah. a yeah, like I say, he's signed. He's, he's a Melbourne Victory player. Great. It is just watch him go and become a national team player like all the rest do when they go down there. Yeah, <laughs> it is disappointing to see them lose a young player, but they all have a lot of young players yeah. anyway. I mean, in addition to the ones we know about, Bryce Bafford plays a very similar position and style to to Ramit, and Bryce had a scholarship contract and is obviously considered to be a better player in the Raw's mind. So something did have to give there. I do find it odd though they gave Ramit a bunch of games last year and he wasn't on a scholarship contract, but. Anyway. They made their choice with Bryce Bafford, and he's a good player as well, to be fair to him. Yeah. All right. They, I'm not saying the Raw haven't got the quality there, because, again, just now I'm on the uh, Raw website, and just looking at it, you've got, obviously, Mork, you've got Brett Holman when healthy. You've also got Lopez, who can play up there, and even, well, would you consider Joe Coletti as an option up there? You could also Dagasino <laughs> play as a 10 last year as well. You could fill into that position, yeah. so they're not without options. Yeah, you certainly got quite a few players that could fill into that, fill in there. But either way, I think it's fair to say we're all a little bit disappointed. Yeah, about like that. so we're disappointed, but also as well, you know, we wish uh, Ramad all the best of luck, and you know, and we hope he, he progresses. The Except football. for three games per year, maybe yeah. four. <laughs> in in those games, we hope he. Well, you uh, hope he doesn't play well against Perth Glory. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, no, that's only two games. <laughs> Anyway, so now we've got to get on to the other big story from the weekend from a national stage, and it's our three favourite letters, Scott. What are they? Mm. It's an audio medium, Scott. Yeah. You can't just pause and pursue It's that, um, that sponsored thing from the restaurant. Yes, oh. the very angry rich guy. Very average referees. There we go. <laughs> That's actually better. VAR. Unfortunately, that was one of the major headlines to come out of round one, not just in Brisbane, but around the league, but 
Let's just start off talking about what we saw at Suncorp yep. on Saturday. There were, what, three major VAR decisions. The first one was... There was a fourth which VAR didn't get a chance to intervene to in the first half when Mickelson was through one-on-one and the assistant, referee's assistant flagged for offside and it was... If he was offside, it wasn't by very much. Oh, that's right, I remember that. I don't think he was offside either, no. but uh, it was one of those benefit of the doubt, Where which side was it going Flag to? should have stayed down, then if he scores, they can go back and check it. But there was, On that occasion, yeah. the, ref, the assistant did actually flag. There was the offside decision as well on the disallowed goal to Adam Taggart, and Arrow and Adam, what were your thoughts on that? Look, at the end of the day, if the referee and the, and the assistant referee make the decision, you know what, well and good, but for it to go... Down the path of VAR, the the three minute delay, all that you know, it's just it's just grating, and you can tell. It's what Amrabat said. To yeah, be honest. it's and you can tell why fans are again. They've been reminded why they you know they just don't enjoy watching football yeah. at the moment because it is just a major point that you know it's it's not a great look. Yeah. You know, and like I said. It, look, it may have been the correct decision in the end, but the thing is that, as we keep, as I keep at on what saying, cost? yeah, it's like I said, football is not supposed to be refereed at one thirty-two thousandths of a second. If it takes FIFA. two minutes to figure out, is surely there's benefit of the doubt. Is yeah. it a clear and obvious yeah. error? Yeah, yeah it... exactly. The VAR is supposed to clear and obvious error, and if you need to go to super slow mo, and you know, and even I even go as far as saying, I just hope that they're not trying to use that line, that Did the you offside, see that magical offside line. Huh? You see the picture from the CSA header a few minutes later? They're yeah. a straight line. Yeah. That's not even the last That's not an official line. That's something that a, oh, a producer's assistant, a, if a Fox Sports is riding up, but that's not, you can't rule off that. At so least they like, were consistently wrong. The, on yeah. the, one, the one point I will say, though, the Raw had a penalty awarded by, was it Chris Beath refereeing? Yep. Chris Beath refereeing. They yeah. got the overturn on that absolutely spot on. On a couple of levels, and that's and that's what, yeah. and actually, I guess we we focus on saying what is wrong with VAR. Yeah. That is what is right with VAR because yeah. that, even though being yeah. a raw fan with thinking yeah. Bill oh. cheering, geez, you, you'd have a hard time, you know. That's the right decision, right. but yeah. I get it if it was offside, it's correct. But if it's not offside, there, if they, if he, Mork and Taggart are onside there, and that's all good. Are they going to overturn that foul from rolls on Taggart? Because truthfully, I really hope they would have. Exactly, that was a phenomenal tackle. That's not a penalty to start with. Yeah. I get he's offside and they've ruled it out for the right reason, but even if that's not there, that's not even a penalty to start with. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, look, without going in to try and re-adjudicate every single yeah. one, because everyone else is probably going to be doing yeah. that this week anyway, mm. let's just keep it simple. They if were it, wrong in Wellington and wrong in Melbourne as well. Yep. Yeah. If, it, if it's clear and obvious, it should be pretty easy to overturn. Let's just speed it up, all right? Yeah. Football it, is still, by and large, a fast game. On a serious point, there should be a shot clock on it. 45 seconds. To look at it. If you can't figure it out in 45 seconds, the referee's decision stands. Yeah, that's that, fair. That, and you know Because it can't go on for two, three minutes, as Adam was pointing yeah, out. Yeah, like, like I said, I think, like, and I, I say this in, mul- in many sports, they've got to stop relying on super slow-mo to try and adjudicate, because that is not how the game is refereed. Our human eyes are not trained to, to look down that, to that level yeah. of detail. You know, we're human. The referees yeah. are human. You know, the people in the box are human. You know, it's just they, they've got to stop you know, trying to find a reason to to come with an outcome. At least the VAR machine worked this weekend. Yeah, that's Unlike true. Unlike the grand final. Yeah, it's a, it's a miracle how all of a sudden the victory uh, aren't big fans of VAR. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a pretty quick turnaround from their last game. Anyway, 
Look, we could go on about this yeah. for an hour. I really let's, don't let's want not. to. No, Let's move on to the National Youth League, where the draws come out. The season starts November 10, away to Perth Glory, because, of course, it's away to Perth Glory. Mm-hmm. And then first home game, November 17th, against Melbourne City. That's the same day as the Socceroos, isn't it? Yes, it is. Oh, get stuck. <laughs> Scott is obviously very it's happy. It's a 3.30 about... kickoff as well, so it's going to be tough to do both. But... Yeah, that's going to be cutting it close. Oh, I'm pretty sure the Socceroos don't kick off till late. Uh, no, so, I think it's six thirty kickoff. So is it? you'll be oh, yeah, going to be hightailing it from up the up the M one. All right, we'll scratch that plan. Do you then. reckon we might have to talk to a few people about organising a carpool? Mm. Anyway, it's very difficult. Anyway, uh, all home games are going to be played at the Logan Football Complex. Hence why we're trying to work out how quickly we can get yeah. from there to Suncorp <laughs> Stadium. And the grand final is set to be on the weekend of February second and third, which is coincidentally the weekend leading up to the Super Bowl. So I might be a bit distracted that weekend. And no, if anyone asks, thinking it might be in Brisbane, it won't be in Brisbane because we're all in Adelaide that weekend. And it'll be before an A-League game. Because in the past, they've played it as a double-header with another A-League game. So so at best, it'll be at Logan? <laughs> yeah. Okay. At best, if it's in Brisbane, it'll be in Logan, but it won't be in Brisbane. If they're all hosting. Okay, yeah. there we go. So, yeah. Uh, a bit to look forward to. Obviously, there's a bit more stuff to come out with the youth squad, presumably, as time goes on. Um, one question I actually had... Without notice, by the way, so good uh-huh. luck answering this. Yeah. Coaching situation. It's a great question. Yeah. If uh, if the MPL side's anything to go by, um, Academy Director Drew Sherman might be on the um, be in the uh, t- t- technical area. We're surprised if Darren Davies is involved as well. Yeah. He had a dual role at Melbourne Victory as an assistant coach in the A League and coaching the youth league team. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's the the plan. Fair enough. All right. Let's keep going on to the other story, which we're all very, very, very excited about. Can we go back to the VAR, actually, compared to this? <laughs> we'll just touch on it quickly. Usain Bolt set to be offered a contract, which was... Speaking new- of National Youth League, that's where he should be playing. Yeah. Which was news to Mike Mulvey in his post-game interview, apparently. So that was at least one highlight to come out of this. Although it seems like they seem the club and the player maybe have different ideas on where his value lies. Yeah, well, his value is probably at the bottom end, um, <laughs> you know, compared to his demands. And look, at the end of the day, I think, I think this will be a true test. You know, you've heard we've heard all the lines and and cliches about oh, he's chasing his professional football's dream and whatnot. Well, if the reported figure of a hundred to hundred fifty thousand dollars is all that the Mariners should be, are offering, he should take it and then be happy to go down and play eight games in the National Youth League and then see to go from there because. Because at the end of the day, um, that's probably where he's at as a football at the moment. The, these ridiculous assertions that he, that you know, talking seven figures, that that's what gets people pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. It gets football fans yeah. pissed off because he is not yeah. worth that, no matter how great a, he may he may be the the greatest athlete the world has ever seen, but as a professional footballer, he is not worth that, yeah. and that'd be an insult. One hundred and fifty grand is roughly what the average A League player, squad player, is on, and that's. Roughly what he would be a squad player. So yeah, if he's going to sign, that's not that's reasonable compensation for him. They want to, th- yeah, they want to offer him that much. I'm say go for it. You want to, yeah. you know, give him the National Youth League season to work out yeah. if he's got any sort of potential to cut it. And yeah. look, we've seen flashes. I think that's fair to say. By and hmm. large, they haven't been there. Yeah. But yeah, if he wants to come in and sign on the cheap and work his way up through National Youth League, like a lot of players yeah. do have to do. Go for it. I guarantee a of flashes he... isn't going to be enough, though. I mean, most players are being well, on the trial. What you're thinking, flashes for yeah. charges for indecent exposure. Look, I, I guarantee <laughs> most you. Most players have a couple of moments in trials. It's consistency that you're looking for, and he hasn't shown that yet. Yeah, but the thing is, I feel like 
take Sorry, the a- you off, no, no, you're right. take the A League out of it. He needs more minutes. Yeah. Like bottom mm. line, above all, else, you can pick up as much as you want on the training pitch, but he needs to get out on the field and play games. Yeah. Yeah, no, look, I'll guarantee that he'll get a lot more respect from football fans in general if, if he works up for his way from the bottom. And, you know, and then people aren't expecting miracles from him. But like I said, obviously there's also the commercial aspect as well. But you know what? That's, that's for um, the ownership to, to worry about. Um, but like I said, you know, he is not worth the money he's asking for, you know, whether you like it or not. Maris might need a bigger youth league stadium too if he's going to play in that competition. Can you imagine the crowds? Be I don't think I don't think Plume Park down in Gosford with fifteen hundred capacity or whatever it is is going to cut it. There it is. <laughs> All right. So before we go, there is just one other thing I wanted to mention that I missed last week. I promised Alex and Liam from Socceroos fans in Queensland that I would give them a quick plug. Uh, we're going to talk to them next month, I believe, in the build-up to Australia versus Korea. South the rare Korea. game in Brisbane, yeah. Yeah, which yeah. is in Brisbane, which shocked everybody that they actually held a game in Brisbane. But yeah, we're going to try and talk to them in the build-up to that game. So check them out on Facebook and Twitter and all of that. And uh, yeah, looking forward to that game featuring the national team, which is going to be very odd to see them at Suncorp Stadium, but we're all very happy about it. (laughs) A couple of Brisbane connections on the Korean team as well, which is a good opponent for for a game in Brisbane. All right, so uh, we're going to take a quick break now, come back and talk about the Raw versus Perth Glory in the first half of Sunday's Suncorp Stadium doubleheader. This is Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here for the DFS Fan Network. Uh, we'll do a couple of plugs again. Uh, Raw Review on Facebook, at BNE Football on Twitter. Email is brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. Send in any questions, comments, whatever, to one of those accounts because we do appreciate any and all feedback we can get. So, Or if you just want to participate in the show, and also probably should say, leave us a rating on uh, iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast because nothing boosts my you know, already humongous ego by finding out just how much people love listening to us. God, I really am an ass as a starter. <laughs> you said it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I get told that all the time. <laughs> anyway, segment three. Raw versus P- Perth Glory, W League season opener. Aren't we excited, Scott? We are very much excited by this. It should be a fantastic day at Suncorp Stadium on Sunday with a doubleheader. Hopefully dry. Yeah, hopefully. Fingers crossed anyway. Yeah, the Roar opening up their uh, premiership defence against the side that uh, kind of spoiled the party at their home opener last week, didn't they, Adam? They did. Last um, year. Yeah, look, and um, we hope we haven't seen squad news being Wednesday, but... um, yeah, look, uh, Sam Curzontown. So the now probably the most recognisable footballer in Australia at the moment. So they got a good record at Suncorp too, actually. Perth Glory played two, one, two. Well, so there we go. Including the one last year, which you mentioned in round two. Yeah, that was a disappointment. <laughs> one of a few. One of the few last year. Yeah, they actually had a very good season, and I think there's a lot to be excited about uh, coming into this season. Although. As we mentioned last week in uh, our preview with Angela, there are a couple of uh, areas for concern. Most notably, who's playing? Because at the moment, on, I'm on the website at the moment, they don't actually seem to have a full squad. Well, they don't. Technically, they don't have a keeper right now because... We Anna don't... Lee Grove is the only listed keeper. Yeah. On... Well, and Didn't she, Angela she's she played in goal at one point? I think maybe she has to go out on the field. 
It'd be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, no. They're running well, short, you're right, because McKenzie Arnold hasn't, hasn't officially been announced yet. And... Although I think if you check out the Raw Core uh, <laughs> yeah. social media accounts, that's going to answer your question. <laughs> She'll be there, it's fine. Just hasn't been and announced also, yet. in true Brisbane Football Review style, I think we're going to wrap up recording this maybe 7 o'clock tonight. So 7.03, expect the Raw page. Yeah, it's got quick talking. Expect the uh, remaining signings to come out around about then. We, so. we, we, we might have actually reminded them <laughs> that. They need, they need to uh, sign paper. They did from tweet that. one second ago, but it wasn't about that. So oh, you'd be glad to know. <laughs> I think my heart rate just spiked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So right now, there are a couple of uh, question marks over who is and isn't going to be available this weekend, Adam. Yeah. Look, that's and uh, that's a fairly important position. Um, that considering that you probably have the top two attackers and by statistics in the league in Sam Kerr and Rachel Hill. So you want to hope that defence is ready, and um, you want to hope got a you know got a keeper. I should actually also point out, though, just looking at the website, it doesn't appear to be totally up to date considering they are missing um, the captain, Claire Polkinghorn, on there right now. I, th- I think Claire will be there on Sunday. It'll be fine. Yeah, I, I would say so. We'll but- be interested to see how the attack lines up, though. We talked about last week. We'll be very interested to see how that lines up without Hayley Razzo as well. So, Yeah, who is obviously still uh, healing up from yep. her injury. And it seems like, you know, starting to do a couple of... Uh, I suppose, interviews on it now. So I guess that means, you know, she's working her way yeah. back and should be available for the tail end of the season. Hopefully. We can only hope. Yeah, yeah look, it'll be interesting to see how, like, we obviously the uh, full complement of Visa players as well. So that, that they're going to be, you know, pivotal to the raw success this season. Yeah, that's it. So one thing we're looking forward to as well is, yeah, with the attack, but... That midfield's going to be very interesting as well. You've got Katrina Gorey there, obviously. I think he's going to be taking on a little bit more of a playmaking role this year. You would think so without Tamika Butler. You would assume that Katrina's going to get an opportunity to be the absolute focal point of the midfield this year. And I think she's more than capable of doing it. I mean, a terrific player in her own right. It's just interesting to see how they complement that with... Obviously, Celeste Perret, the player of the year last year for the Raw, will be in there as well. Who the third player is, we talked about last week on the show, we, we just don't know. We don't know if it'll be Nagasato or it'll be another player. It depends on where they play, Yuki. Will she play in the front third, midfield? Probably won't find out till Sunday, but the good thing is there's good options to this problem. It's a, it's a, not, it's a problem, but it's a, it's a good problem to have because you've got good options to fill the, the holes. So. And Annie Grove is the other goalkeeper as well. Yeah. Just, I found the and story from a while ago saying, from October 10th, actually. Yeah, and, she, and she, she's actually away on young Matilda's duty in Lebanon. They play tonight, tonight. depending on when you listen to this, or Wednesday night. So. What's the flight time back from Lebanon? <laughs> it's a tournament, so not, yeah. not, not a one-off game, James. <laughs> All right. Yeah. yeah, so a bit going on this weekend. I think, well, we talked about it last week, but are we expecting them to get their season off to a winning note, Adam? Uh, look, I'm, I'm going to say a high-scoring draw to kick off the season. You would ho- obviously hope they would win the game. It honestly, it honestly depends on the, the front third and has that click yeah. check. We saw with the A-League side last week, it it looked really encouraging and promising, but it just didn't have that in the front third, the ability to put the ball in the back of the net. With the front third for the Raw W-League team, they've only been in pre-season for a week or so now. Players have arrived late because of their commitments overseas. It'd be interesting to see how quickly that gels because there's tremendous players there. I think Adam's right, probably a draw this weekend. That's not a bad result either because I think Perth will be a 
Massively improved team. Look, I think I think across the whole whole league in the first couple of rounds, it's going to be a complete and utter raffle. Yeah. I think because look you, to Scott's point, you know there, there's not much stability. I think with a lot of clubs, um, like I said, a lot, of you, a lot of the best young players are away on national duty at the moment. You've got you know imports coming in you know late. Look, I think you know. I would not discount any results, you know, for probably the first two or three weeks. You know, how the latest... I think the competition's that tight this season. Look, it can be... Anyone could be, you know, leading the lead after after three or four weeks. And Sydney FC were bottom of the table in the early rounds of the season. They ended up finishing just, just just behind the raw for the Premier's mm. plate and obviously made the grand final. So a slow start doesn't necessarily mean a, a slow season. It's not the end of the world yeah. if no. things don't go to plan. And like, that was actually one problem that is, I suppose, unique to the W League compared to men's football, where you do have the squads essentially assembling and That's you're right. going straight out. Yeah. There were a couple of, the Royal played a couple of pre-season games, but they were before the majority of the squad was even announced, so... And it is kind of just working with what was available yeah. as well. Look, and I said a lot, a lot of these players are going to be sort of, you know, to, the, to I guess the broader Brisbane Raw fan base um, are going to be virtually unrecognisable, you know... I said it's and it's going to take time to sort of know who they are. Whereas you now with the A League side, you know we've known the squad for you know for basically for months. That being said, one thing I did learn from round one of the A League though, it wouldn't be an Australian football season, men's or women's, if I didn't spend you know at least half the game going, hang on, who's that number, whatever. <laughs> There's no VAR in the W League though, so that's encouraging. <laughs> Can you make your feelings just a little bit more known, Scott? I can't. Quite... I can't do the um, Amrabat thing because it's another. Not a visual medium we're using. Anyway. <laughs> so um, I had to get that in. You know I couldn't... Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, we'll start off uh, just also talking about the fixturing this season. So, round one, you've got Thursday night, uh, Sydney Derby yep. at Marconi Thursday Stadium. Thursday night's live on Fox Sports. It's a standalone fixture. I think they're really going to pump that up. So, yeah, be good to see how that goes. I think the Raw have only got it once this season. And it's the um, game up in Redcliffe. So. Hey, it's another night of football. I've yep. got no complaints. Yeah, it's like I said. The um, just quickly on the the women's Sydney derby. It's um, it's old Sydney versus new Sydney. Like, surprises. <laughs> I, I did say I had to look twice to see. Hang on, yeah. is that Western Sydney or is that uh, Sydney FC squad? Because hey, it worked for the A League side when they took a whole place from Sydney yeah. FC, so it might work for them. You never know. And then Sunday, you've obviously got the triple header. You've got the Raw against Perth, Canberra against Melbourne City, and victory against Adelaide. So. The Adelaide victory game is going to be the double header before. Um, why am I drawing a blank? For victory in Perth glory in the W in the A League. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I think the Raw game is the um, TV game on Fox and SBS. Viceland. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of football yes. to enjoy this weekend, isn't there? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you can see all the other games on the app as well. So that's good for when the Raw aren't playing at home and not on television away. You'll be able to watch them on the app. Which is good. It's a great, it's a great app actually. <laughs> Don't like I said, watch, watch a lot of the uh, games on there. And yeah, like I said, it's let's just hope there's no Optus Gremlins creeping in. We hope not. It's worked fine so far. Hmm. Touch wood. <laughs> All right, so that's going to be it for this segment of the Brisbane Football Review. We're going to come back and preview the other half of Sunday's double header with the men's team. We'll be back after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And we're back for the final segment of the Brisbane Football Review here. It's James Scott and Adam with you tonight, or today, or whatever time of day you're (laughs) listening. I think that's the pretty standard podcast joke. Right, Scott? You you say so. (laughs) 
Anyway, so segment four, we're going to talk about the second half of Sunday's doubleheader, which is the Brisbane Roar against the Who Cares Phoenix... I mean, Wellington Phoenix. Uh, now, Soon to be Canberra Phoenix. I thought it was South West Sydney, Illawarra, <laughs> St George, whatever uh, Phoenix. West Melbourne Phoenix. <laughs> we really like Wellington. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not so much yeah. Nick's out as I am Nick's move. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a great, it's a great team and I'm welcome there any time. You two probably aren't. Hey, I was fine in New Zealand last time. I made the, I made the jokes about the Phoenix and nobody cared, shockingly. <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk about the football now. Um, we want to start off with last season where it kind of feels like, despite the fact, you know, there were two really good games and one less good game, the Raw probably could have done better than three draws against Wellington. Correct, well, Adam? Well, it's uh, four extra points makes all the difference. Um, mind you, the the uh, corresponding game last season, they were down 3-0 after 30-something minutes, so... I guess that was actually the great escape, but um, yeah, the two games, the two other games we played last season, yeah, it wasn't inspiring stuff, unfortunately. The game down the Gold Coast, I still cannot. That was the worst game of the season, even worse than the nil all with the Mariners in round at Suncorp. Whatever, yeah, yeah that, that was a dreadful game. That was tough, but uh, yeah, you, rem- well, you would have liked it. it was Star Wars round? I, I liked Star Wars round. I didn't necessarily like the football and the number of. <laughs> Like, that was one of those ones where you saw what... You kind of saw what I think the Raw were trying to do last year, that mm. game down yeah. down at the Gold Coast, where, you know, you saw Corey Grimero running off Macaroni and whatnot, and it was kind of a making the most of the players that are available yep. situation, but, yeah, let's... Let's uh, let's leave last season in the past, yeah? Yeah. Now, we do hope the Raw are able to match their points tally against the Phoenix on Sunday when they host Wellington, who were first-up winners against the Newcastle Jets. Yes, they were really good, actually, Wellington... Under Mark Rood, and we saw a lot of transition play in round one, and Wellington were right at the forefront of that. They obviously scored one of their goals from that, had another one which they had chalked off from the VAR. So they were really good at getting the ball forward quickly when they win it, and there was a real fight and determination about them. So they're actually, I think they like to be a competitive team, and it's interesting because they've, I think they were set up very similar to the way Central Coast did. So the Mariners probably provided a blueprint for, for Mark Rood and on how they can come to Brisbane and get something. So, for the Raw's point of view, they probably know what they're up against. And it's just, can they execute it better than they did last Sunday? Because if they do, they could put a real number on Wellington. Yeah, look, um, they're, they're sort of, you know, what a time we live in. That, you know, Nick's a second in the league <laughs> after one round. Um, yeah, look, but they, but they deserve their three points against Newcastle. And, uh, look, I think I think for the, fir- for the first, you know, month, you know, six weeks a season. I think, you know, with Mark Rudin, you know, sort of in his sort of, you know, opening games as a A-League head coach, I think they're going to they're be decent value. But I think, you know, at some point um, when injuries start taking a toll or, you know, teams start working them out, they may they may start to sort of fall away. But um, I think the key player for the, for the Knicks may be Roy Krishna, who has, who has, you know, seems to like scoring against the Raw. Mm. Well, look, just... Quickly, if the Phoenix were in fact the Illawarra Phoenix, they would be in first place. Oh, yes, because the goal difference, yes. No, alphabetical. Alphabetical, sorry, yeah. Because we had so many similar results, obviously the Roar are in fourth place because they start with a B. Well, they might be be top of the league this weekend because they've won two of their last three trips to Suncorp Stadium. Yeah, there was... Including uh, the one which was when, I think you were running that day and it was... The um, game that got called off after 65 minutes. They only played three times at Suncorp since then. Yeah, well, there was one game up in Cairns yep. and then down the that Rabina. Yeah, that's right. So that would have been March yeah. 2015. There would have been the one. I'm gonna say April 2017. 
there was they yeah. played twice in the 2016-17 season. Yeah. Once the Raw won in round 27, and they played earlier that season, and it was in the middle of the Champions League campaign, and Wellington got them. That's right. Now I remember that. So, but they've only played twice in the last five years at Suncorp, and three times at Suncorp the last five years, and they've won two of them. So. Well, but we can I, only hope there's no more downpours. Perf- mm. Interesting fact as well, but um, Knicks will have to do something they've never done before if they happen to win, and actually win their first two games of the season. I thought you were going to say win back-to-back games. They've never won back-to-back to open a season, so they, they are looking at history if they can uh, somehow swipe the three points at Suncorp. Well, you say uh, Phoenix have won two of their last three trips to Suncorp. They are the only two games that they've won at Suncorp Stadium, yes. however, because <laughs> at Suncorp it's played 14, Brisbane 10, Wellington 2, yeah. and two draws. Yeah. So, overall, like, I, I should be fair and say I'm, I'm a big fan of Mark Rudin and think that you know he, it's good to see him finally get a chance in the A-League, and I hope he does well, just not this weekend. It's good to see them being competitive as well, because we, as much as we're not the biggest fans mm. of them, we don't want them to just be at the bottom and cannon fodder for everybody. We want them to be competitive. And To be fair, we've yeah. seen them be competitive with the Raw quite a lot. It's yes. against the other eight teams, that's <laughs> yeah, that really be nice. the problem. But like, it's good to see them actually competing and being a challenger, because I think they'll be better than people expect this year, but... I d- just I- not this weekend, please, you're right. All right, so let's turn this around from a Raw perspective, because yeah. I honestly feel like... There's not a whole lot of change that you really would have to consider making here. No, no, no. I think you'd almost, assuming everyone got through training all right, you I'd, you pretty much go with the um, the same you know, 16 that, that went against the Mariners. Would you consider bringing, say, Matt McKay in? No, I wouldn't change the starting eleven at all. I thought it, I thought it combined perfectly on, oh, near perfectly on Sunday, other than the results. I wouldn't change that. I mentioned segment one. The only thing I would might maybe change is the bench to bring another attacking option because. Having not won in round one, you they really need to get three points in this game. So, having another attacking option on the bench, if required, I would be going down that path. And Whether it's Nick Dagestino, Dylan Wenzel Halls, or another younger player, just having another another option to bring in if you need to chase a goal. And needing the three points there, you obviously want to try and maybe push a little bit harder yeah. to get that to get that win. But you do also want to make sure that you are disciplined there and you're not pushing three defenders right up. And leaving, say, like leaving yeah. one of your central. The reason why a win is so important this weekend is if they go to Perth next weekend, and Perth have been quite strong. Of course, is your favourite, but they've, they've been quite strong. So that's a, that's a no surefire win, and then after that, I think some another home game, then away to the Wanderers. So I think no, it's two away games after this. Is, then sure. they're in Mudge against the Wanderers in round four. Then so you've got to start picking up three points. I can't wait to see the RBB protest that game in Mudgee. <laughs> but just, uh, they still exist. Obviously, as you figure, we'll talk in segment one about um, you know Adam Taggart being the focal point of um, the attack. Well, the good news is that Adam Taggart's record against the Knicks is actually pretty decent, where he's actually he has actually scored six in his last four and last three consecutive meetings. So, look, let's hope, hope that continues. Well, I'm not one for advanced stats to go into you know expected goals and everything because. Fr- Frankly, the maths involved with that does my head in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more for words, but, uh, yeah. but, but uh, uh, never mind. Uh, you be Yeah, turned into Elmer Fudd there for a second. <laughs> I honestly kind of feel like that maybe the Raw are probably going to need three to win this game. I could easily see the Phoenix coming in and scoring two just because of the way that they set up. They get one on the counter-attack and maybe a long-range bomb to un- really rattle them a little bit. So I say they get the same number of chances they got against... Uh, the Mariners, they're going to have to bury more chances. I'm hoping that you're wrong about 
um, Wellington getting two goals because if they do get two goals, you're probably looking at another draw because that's I to your point getting one on the counter. I hope that's something they've worked on this week is just getting the um, organization 100% correct to cut that out because if that if that's a continual trend, that could actually haunt the raw all season. So I hope they actually tighten things up defensively and have a a couple of goals themselves in a clean sheet. Well, one thing that did kind of stand out for me with the decision to start Alex Lopez ahead of um, Matt Mackay is Lopez obviously only showed up about a month ago, so I wonder how much actual game time and situational work he's gotten with his teammates. So, look, I think it's all fair to say he's quite good. Well, he didn't play in any of the public games that were available to be watched because he was unveiled at halftime of the game against a BPL select team. And I don't know how much time he got in the behind closed doors game against the Young Socceroos. So, but even so, like, is he still trying yeah. to work on his combinations with the team? Obviously, you've got Thomas Christensen, who we didn't really mention, but he was just you know working as a screener yep. for most of that game and freeing up the other two to really push forward. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Just how I'm interested to see how that combination is coming along. Yeah, look, I think for mine, I think you know, sort of from a general game, I think I think the first twenty twenty five minutes is going to be key because. It's, as Scott said, you know, we don't want to be one or two nil down after after time because I think otherwise it's going to be a very very you know long road back. I think if they can weather the storm for the first you know twenty minutes or so and then you know sort of push on, um, look, I think that's probably the key to success for the Roar in this in this game. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. All right. Well, look, I think we've talked about as much as we can out of this <laughs> game, all things considered. Uh, we should answer the one question that we got after the game. Uh, Fan cams are going to be back just later this season. We aren't going to be running them this Sunday for two reasons. Firstly, the whole of club photo on the pitch. So, you know, you two want to go and enjoy that. And I've got an engagement party to go to because my very, very smart friend decided that, oh, let's just put it on during the Raw's first doubleheader of the season. So congratulations, Ollie. Well done. <laughs> and also congratulations yeah <laughs> but yeah so fan camps will be back I think it'll be at the next home game which is November 24th against Melbourne City so bring the best uh, post game analysis you can whether it's just loud or actually thought out I don't mind just come talk to us then yeah sounds good alright that's going to be it Scott, Adam thank you yep. see you again James, Adam yep see you We'll be back next week to discuss, hopefully, the Raw's first three points of the season against Wellington, but let's not uh, take anything for granted. But thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back then. This has been the Brisbane Football Review.